Welcome back for another episode of Lead with Purpose podcast with me, Shishing Yang, where we talk about purpose, marketing, mindset, and how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business. Welcome back to Lead with Purpose podcast with me, your host, Shishing Yang. Today we have a super, super special guest with us, and her name is Rachel Sheila Khan. So Rachel is a fashion circularity expert, TEDx speaker, author, and founder of Circular Earth and the Ecosystem Incubator. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's always nice to talk to you, Rachel. Um, we've known each other for quite some while and we've had lots of really interesting um, conversations about circularity and fashion and so on. So could you maybe explain to our um, listeners what circularity means to you? Ah, Circularity to me is beyond the product. The product is important um but it's the whole system because we could create a product that is circular but it could create uh, in unintended consequences just in its coming to being um so we have to think about all of the other things that are attached to that its locality where it's coming from what kind of like uh, emissions and things that are happening in that to me it's beyond the product it's those other things that are about it. So um, socially, what's happening and, and what's happening with uh, your the people that you're working with and your supply chain, if that's where you are, if that's where you're at. Um, yeah, it's also about kind of, uh, yeah, a, a holistic way in a way. And, and I say that in a non-business, <laughs> in a kind of business sense, right? You know, so right. it's, it's, a, it's this this interconnection of not just one silo or you know one particular product or service it's about how as an industry we link together but also as different inter-industries work together okay sounds complex it's very complex. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about that in a minute but could you just explain to us how what, what started you on this journey? How did you get into circularity and circular, fa- circular fashion? Um, yeah, so where does it all start? Or where did it all start? It did all start when I, you know, went into the industry two decades ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And the industry was sort of going into the, the height of getting into the fast fashion era, where it was about value, about um, producing loads and loads of stuff that we knew that, wouldn't ever be able to be purchased even. Mm. It was the time of overproduction, which we're still seeing now, of course. But for me, it was when I went in. I was a designer um, for many years. And I went in with the kind of expectation that it would be creative and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was always, you know, because I was in the value sector about that bottom line, about that, okay, what can we, what can we push out of that margin to get the best Uh, push out of the cost price to get the best margin that we can get to create this constant growth for companies 
And I think it was just where it was at for a long time. And so I went so on and so forth through the industry as a designer and design manager, worked with many different um, places. So out of China, um, in India, Bangladesh, um, Turkey sometimes, and really saw the industry as it was. Um, And I got to a point where I was like, actually sickened to design the stuff anymore. It actually made me physically want to throw up just the amount of stuff that we were creating for creating stuff's sake for creating only in one intention to constantly create growth gdp wise um yeah and so i moved into sustainability it's almost seven years now i think um and yeah really started at first was where we met is creating events that brought together people on a, a grassroots level you know these you can go and look at a vintage brand a new eco brand you can sew stuff you know so we had swap shops we had um workshops that you could get involved in we brought the people to a stage so got people on a stage who were in this um sort of very new industry at that point because it really wasn't a massive thing other than a few big players that have been going along for a while in the organic space mm-hmm. we talked about the organic so they're all right and um yeah, it was just that that platform to build into um, this, whatever this is now, right? <laughs> so, and it was, it was lovely just getting those contacts and working with people and find and just learning from people as I went along, you know. And then I was like difficult journey. Sorry, okay. you know, from breaking out of your sort of more traditional fashion job, was it quite a difficult uh, break? out of that to do your own thing or it wasn't like um a particular time other than when the lockdown happened that I had to physically go and stand in it more at first I sort of layered it over my main my main job you know so I worked really really hard to to be in this to be in that space and I just got completely obsessed by it and cure so curious and I went to every sustainability event that was going on in London, whether it be about fashion or not. To me, it was about this into into industry understanding. So I went to like EDF events that spoke about energy or, so you know, Thames water events talking about like water and things because I I got even then that it was it was an interconnected thing. Um, yeah. So a lot of it was about that c- continuous learning journey. So you talk a lot about the ecosystem and and collaboration um, within the ecosystem incubator and also Circular Earth. Could you explain to us a little bit about the concept of the ecosystem? Because it's not something that we tend to talk about um, a lot within business, but I think it's really important for people to understand what your vision of an ecosystem is and why collaboration is important um, Mm. for I think for that I have to go back to when I was starting the consultancy so I moved into consultancy gradually over time laid it over my business uh, my normal business in the business as usual bit Um, and I tried to apply sustainability with brands either starting up or they were their medium-sized brands trying to transition whatever it is but I really saw that whatever we were doing in that space was plastering over 
the current economic system and the systems and functions that we have in this world and that it would never get to the level that we need to get to in order to reduce overproduction, to make repair and um, and upcycling a viable economic solution, you know. Um, and I saw that individually those companies could do something, but maybe coming together might be a better way, you know, or a different way. Mm -hmm. So I built the ecosystem incubator, or we did, right, <laughs> to to start that co-creation, to have businesses and um, people who, are, you know, sole traders or whatever they are, whether they're a brand, a garment tech, a designer, whether they're, a, 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 you know, a grower or a, a CMT unit, they could come together and collectively co-create that new future. So at first it was very much a, could 10 brands come together and collaborate on minimum order quantities, you know? So, you know, instead of each of those 10 brands committing to 3,000 units of fab 3,000 meters of fabric, they could collectively buy those 3,000 meters, chop it up to, to each of them, reduce their risk, you know, their business risk for one, for one sense, because they're creating an agile, an agile run, but also reduce their cost and reduce that kind of having to have that overproduction on everything. And that was the very simplistic sort of thing, even though that's quite complicated to get everyone in a room to say, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all have different needs in some ways. Right. And is there a risk of, um, especially when it comes to fashion, because it's all about coming up with new ideas and new prints and new, new styles. When we work in this way, um, are there any risks to like dilute, not dilution, what's the word? Sort of like sharing our innovation with others. Um, how does that work? So if you share a fabric with the same print, for example. Um, it probably wouldn't be with the same print, right? But it would be like the greyish fabric that then you mm. could go and, and get whatever it is that you wanted on that as a unique mm. point. But the, the thing is that the base fabric, the greyish fabric, you know, undyed, whatever, we end up using the same anyway. And it mm. seems silly to go and go and overbuy a whole ton of stuff that we don't need and yeah. that you know your agile brand might you know might move on from as well right mm -hmm. i know there's many brands with stock you know sitting in their houses you know because that's that's a way that happens sometimes if i'm being real yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. not helping anyone in, yeah. in the environmental space or or regular space right so yeah. i still have clothes um that we overproduced back 10 years ago in my garage and i don't know what to do with it because yeah. we don't want to waste it but it's still sitting there so yeah this is a real problem uh with um smaller brand and trying to stay agile i think this is a great um, um solution to a, quite a big problem because it's hard to order small quantities you always get the leftovers of what other people may not have ordered um, yeah. And you know the solution before was to go to go to China or go to the Guangzhou market, mm -hmm. and you'd get you'd buy from stock, right? So mm -hmm. this is a, a different way to do that, but with sustainable fabrics. Instead of like getting extractive fabrics, you could get something that's a little less um, less bad. And we mm -hmm. we only say in our world that it is less bad. It is yeah. not fully sustainable because we do not have the systems and functions to be able to be fully regenerative yet. 
Yes, I think that's going to take some time for that to happen. So could you, what is your um, vision of a fully sustainable or uh, regenerative fashion world? How does that look to you and your ideal world? In the, in the future, I see mm. that we move away from centralised production and we work uh, more in a locality, in a decentralised locality way. You can always you can see it already reshoring back to the UK, creating new economies in different localities, whether it's Manchester, down south, wherever. But that also needs to be balanced by re reimagining econ economies in all of the places that we've ex we've extracted from for so many years. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be a, a um, a relocalization of economics as well at the same time. So that's what I see that there's this um, new sense of place because we can't keep um, doing the same things that we did before. We can't keep extracting from one place, extracting all of the, the nutrients from that world to be able to push it into our world and, and create economic growth from it. That's not going to move any needles right now. So um, I do see that it's the, this decentralized future that we're living into. So if we go as far back as the, uh, when you talk about extraction, I'm thinking of extraction of materials and so on, or raw materials. How do you see that happening? Um, how can we decentralize that? Or is that even possible? Yeah, I think it. I think it's possible over time. Absolutely, you know. To you've all, I've already seen some people starting to grow hemp in the UK, for instance, and they're building like new systems and functions to grow to grow that in fields. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Mm. So, it'd be in the sense of place, growing stuff that you can grow in that place. Uh, you see Fibershed doing that kind of thing and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be any imports or exports, but it will be greatly reduced, yeah? And we will also utilize the waste of our old economy and push it into other things. So there's enough things out there in the world to reimagine into new things. And that can be a new localized economy because you can gather some seamstresses and people in one place and say, right, what can we do with this stuff? You could turn it into this and things like that. So I think there'll be two or three things going on at the same time, you know? What do you see is the most um, sort of exciting development at the moment, uh, whether it's within the UK or also um, sort of globally within the fashion industry? I think there's um, an exciting project that's um, taking the waste of our fabrics and our, our old kind of, you know, fast fashion stuff. And they're reimagining it into new fabric. I think it's in Finland. Um, Ken did a, a, a talk with them. Um, they are a really amazing company taking that and creating it into new fabrics. Is what, it the Swedish one? Yes. Renew Cell? Renew Cell, that's, Cell. that's yeah. So I think that's really interesting that we're creating some new fabric with that. I don't think it's the silver bullet at all, but I think there are pockets of change for sure. And I am really excited about the new new growing and regenerative growing and the way that, um, you know, farming is is kind of starting to come back to this. There's an, there's an amazing project over in um, 
uh, I think it's Texas or somewhere where she's uh, she's got a regenerative farm and she's creating um, bags out of the hides that she gets from her farm, which is um, Havistat Farms. And, that you know, again, they're utilising what's there in their in the sense of place. So I think there's definite new pockets of change coming up and a nod to that locality idea. I love that. So in... Um... Could you also explain, uh, a lot of people that are listening to this, they may not be in the sustainability world or circularity. And could you also explain what regenerative means um, to you? Because I'm sure it means different things to different people, perhaps as well. It means different things to different people. I mean, it was coined in the more of in the farming sort of side of things, but I like to see it in the business side of things. So in the farming side of things, it's about creating kind of in the organic way, but also uh, by co-planting with, say, trees and other companion plants that invite kind of uh, pollinators and and all of that kind of stuff in there and, and kind of look at pest control and things like that in a holistic way. So it's essentially holistic farming. It also invites that animals be on that land to um, nu- put nutrients into the soil, for want of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's much more of a wild style of farming. Let the plants where grow there where they need to grow. Let it grow in, in a natural way. Um, for me, uh, I worked at, on how to build the regenerative thought process into a business structure. So that sounds a bit funny, but you know, how can we build business with a nod to living systems? So that's why when I started building the ecosystem, it's always been about it's kind of in the mindset of a forest. In a forest, there's no just one tree that's a forest standing alone. The forest um, comes together and shares those nutrients. Right. So each tree has its own niche and and speciality. Uh, so species of tree, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, there's a fern over here and a Mm-hmm. ash tree or whatever whatever over there right but underground they're sharing collective knowledge and nutrients um so that's essentially what what we started to muse on originally in the first part we started to say we'd found out about permaculture and the sort of farming side of thing and rob hopkins had written a paper or a, a website part on how could we attach permaculture values to a business structure? And it was fascinating. And I just kind of left it there because I was like, that's too radical. What's going on with that? But actually in my uh, Cambridge um, thing that I did online, I, I sort of mentioned it to the mentor and he didn't think I was completely mad. And he said, you need to read regenerative leadership. So I did. And it, it was just like the key to all this stuff. It was like, yes, this is it. This is a holistic future where we start to share things in a whole new way, where we come out of separation. This mm. is my brand IP and that is your brand mm. IP. And we shouldn't share that because <laughs> what would happen? Maybe the world would blow up. Well, yes, it will if we constantly stay in competition. And they invited us to think about the way we build business in a new way, in a a state of reconnection, reconnection with each other, with each other's businesses, with how they interconnect, reconnection with how everything interconnects into the world, zooming out, 
like a big eagle and being able to see how everything interconnects, but also being able to go right back down and focus on, you know, one item or one brand or one thing. Um, and that for me was just, this is, this is it. This is the future. This is how we start to come together in business to create these win-win situations. And this doesn't have to stay in the business section, right? This can be applied to political systems. It could be applied to communities, you know, um, very much what Rob Hopkins does in the transition town movement is to create um, with a community how you can work together and live together in different ways, either coming together to create communities that live and thrive together or creating food structures and systems in that locality. And I see it the same as be in the business sector. How do we create these systems and processes and coming together of minds that create this regenerative future? Does that make yep. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the imagery I've got in my mind is actually because you mentioned the forest. It's like if 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 you if we look at, at a world with the different species of trees, and I think that's a really nice analogy in terms of how our businesses can work within the system. Because if one tree is, I mean, I don't know, a certain niche or a business accountant, for example, I guess it could apply to different business types, and then everybody comes together with the same vision of this regenerative future right yeah yeah exactly and, and i see it feeds into it through the roots yeah and then the pods yeah. or the, the co-creation the co-created brands and ideas that we're doing can then themselves be planted and make other other trees in the forest you know seedlings mm -hmm. for instance it reminds me of that book um the secret life of trees mm, i haven't read that one yet it's amazing they talk about that how within the forest each tree, they have um, a connective network below them mm -hmm. where they communicate and actually trees actually secrete smells and energy through the, the bark to communicate with each other. And this is exactly how I see it, how different businesses, different uh, communities kind of are interconnected. And if one tree dies, the other trees will take off the nutrients from the other tree and they communicate with each other like that. And it's fascinating. You have to read that book. It's, it's one of my favorite books. Um, okay, well, I will definitely read it. And, and yeah, we talk also about the other things that are in the forest, like mycelium, right? Mycelium mm -hmm. aids that communication between the trees. So we sort of see in our metaphorical sort of picture of this forest that the mycelium is like the AI that brings everyone together, that starts that functionality in the forest. Um, yeah. So. Nice. So what? You mentioned AI here. Do you think there is a, um, I'm thinking of it as a connection of everything. So I'm thinking, hmm. yeah. is there, do you think there is a place for AI, which is good for um, circularity or environmental change, you know, positive change um, and sustainability? Where, where do you see that fitting with the bigger picture? I, I think um, AI, like anything else that's a system, is only as good as the intention that is put upon it. Mm -hmm. So if we go and put the intention of GDP growth, for instance, on our AI, of course, the AI is going to create that, right? Or it might be creating from our bias of the past. So I think AI has a huge part to play in this decentralization process, in this aggregation of um, 
of intelligence, of our intelligence and, and understanding of, of communication, communicating, you know, different different things that are going on in different localities. I mean, just also, you know, we, we in technology are able to have this conversation and me not have to drive or go on a train all the way to you is is a revelation, right? And I don't think we should sort of just go back to the past and live in mud huts. You know, that's not, to me, the answer, <laughs> you know. Harness this power of the AI, but utilise it with the intentions of the future mm-hmm. and the intention of not just GDP growth, this new balance. I love that. Right, so um, the last question I'm going to ask you is, what key lessons have you learned through this journey that you started 20 so years ago to where you are now, both positive and negative lessons? I think I learn lessons every day. <laughs> <laughs> Any key ones that you thought? As long as you're looking out for them. One. Yeah, I mean, the distinctions come so frequently now. It's, it's... <sighs> It's it's hard to choose one like you were trying to choose earlier on as well. It was like, um, I think that thing where I came out of separation and got the distinction of reconnection, not in a kind of hippie way, but in like, a, oh, God, that actually works pragmatically, you know, was a revelation. I was like, oh, I understand now why we're not able to get where we're going because we're constantly fighting you know that kind of thing Um, and I think before that it was like an individual journey um it was a journey of um getting that I could be a part of this um for many years I kind of felt like a cog in the wheel like I couldn't have anything to do with this you know I'd go to sustainability events even 15 years ago and sit in the corner and kind of go I shouldn't talk to anyone or, or didn't actually have the um, kind of gumption to go and talk to any of them because I thought, well, you know, who am I? I'm just a small designer and da-da-da, that kind of thing. But it was a massive ontological journey that I took on when my mum passed away. Mm. That was one of the first clicks. My mum passed away and I looked in my children's eyes and I saw that some kind of legacy coming upon you know looking at them and I thought yeah I can do this so I went on a massive inner journey first just like to get off a lot of the stuff in the past that had been stopping me and for me yeah that was the most brilliant thing to then go into each part of my life from the past be with it, find the distinction and go, right, okay, let's move into the next bit and the next bit and the next bit. And now, you know, I'm quite happy to go on to stages and talk about, you know, regenerative living systems and circularity and all of this stuff that before I would have been, you know, apprehensive to even talk to you about, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's amazing. Was- it's amazing. I have, I've been watching you for the last sort of few years, actually, um, the more you talk about it, and I think it, the more it makes sense, really, uh, in how it should work. And it's really beautiful, um, you know, beautiful, I say, was your mum passing. Of course, that wasn't beautiful. But then I think it changes um, a lot of our perspectives when, you know, when birth happens, when death happens. And it's, it, it goes back to that. It's life, isn't it? That's um, the regenerative journey. 
death isn't a problem death is a rebirth and I don't I do see my mum's death as beautiful it had this emergence of new life for me and she would have wanted that yeah oh that is so lovely so now if we want to connect with you and find out more about this um because obviously we could talk about this forever and it's a really really interesting topic how do we find you and where do we connect with you rachel the best website is probably um, rscan.com that has links to everything, um, the ecosystem incubator, Circular Earth and our, our journey I'm doing with Ken in circularity called Real Circularity. So you can find it all on there um, and uh, link to the different websites. rscan.com. OK, perfect. I'll put it in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for coming here to talk to us about this very fascinating um, topic. And I'll I'll catch up with you soon. Catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please follow our podcast so we can continue to share our thoughts, ideas and tips with you. And remember, lead with purpose. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you would like more tips, ideas, and thoughts on how to launch, grow, and scale a purpose-driven business and also hear from other purpose-driven entrepreneurs about their journeys, please follow the podcast. And remember, lead with purpose.